Tons of emotion for the Virginia Cavaliers this past weekend. Yet, they rallied and found a way to get a victory against Duke in a game where they looked very good offensively once again. So, that becomes a topic that we will begin covering the Commonwealth discussing. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, how reasonable is it to give credit to the Virginia Cavaliers, particularly weathering the emotions that began a week ago, the one-year anniversary of the tragic shooting on grounds, and yet locking in throughout the entire week of practice that Tony Elliott alluded to after the game and carrying that over into a dominating performance by and large against Duke in a game that was a 30-23 to win, but felt like it was maybe a little bit more comfortable than that. It was a very challenging week for these guys. Um, they had, but, uh, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff because uh, they they had explained everything in detail, not that much needed explaining. And, and not only were they recognizing the anniversary of those killings, but, um, you know, they had one of their teammates still out in Louisville uh, in a spinal cord uh, rehab center, their top running back for the season, which uh, Tony Elliott got to go visit during the week. So it, it presented a lot of things for them, and you know, through it all, he kept them focused on trying to defend Scott Stadium. That they he hadn't won a ACC home game in his two years here, and it was very important to get that done because even though he said they had it figured out on the road and they played their best ball on the road, they they still hadn't won an ACC game at home until Saturday night, and that was that was important to pull that off for the future. Indeed it was for the Virginia Cavaliers, and in part of doing that, I mean, the amazing thing that jumps out is, and Jim Davis is one of the best sports information directors out there, but he, he sent out though, the game notes afterwards, and I mean, it's like every single bullet point was Malik Washington for Virginia. I get Keon Coleman at Florida State's been fantastic. He'll probably be a first-round pick, and they're a top-five team. But how much consideration does Malik Washington deserve in the all-ACC discussion, despite the fact that he's playing on a team that will win either three or, if they beat Virginia Tech, four games this year? Yeah, I think you got to bypass that in terms of personal honors because you got to consider he, he's number two in the nation in just about every passing, pass-receiving category to the kid at LSU who has a Heisman Trophy candidate throwing to him and a much high-powered offense overall. He's had to adjust to two quarterbacks this season, which uh, Anthony Calandria told us the other night that that's not easy to do because he and Musket have different throwing styles and, and different other mechanics that a receiver has to ingrain in himself. But uh, the, the funny thing about it is this kid's always open, and he, he tells he tells the quarterback, he said, hey, uh, if I'm open, throw it to me. If I'm not open, throw it to me because I'll get open. And somehow he does. Uh, what he's done on a team that's, like he said, has won three games is, is phenomenal. I, I, I mean, he's done stuff that some of the great receivers we've seen in this conference over the decades couldn't do. And I, I, I knew he was going to be good. I had no idea he was going to be this good. JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor. Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe here on Covering the Commonwealth on the Virginia Talk Radio Network and in the Fast Lane. Hootie, 
How surprised were you after the game that players like Jonas Sinker and Anthony Calandria were using the when we beat Virginia Tech as opposed to the if we beat Virginia Tech line? Well, I guess you got to think positive that you're going to ever overcome that hurdle, right? And that's something that very few Virginia teams have done in the last 25 years. Um, so they're, they're thinking that um, only one other team since 2000 here at Virginia has won their last two home games. And uh, Tony Elliott even mentioned that uh, during one of our conversations Saturday night. So they're thinking positive. They feel like they can win this game. And if they continue to play the way they have uh, five of the last six weeks, Ed, I wouldn't bar that because – if they had started the season the way they finished it, they'd, they'd be a bowl team already. That's a crazy thing to think about. So we'll pivot away from football right now because we are going to wrap that up at the end of next week. Well, there'll be the offseason stuff as well. But men's basketball tonight at Orlando against Wisconsin. Uh, Isaac Manili going to give it a go? In all likelihood, that according to Richmond.com is Mike Barber, and you may have gotten word of that as well and uh, posted that at jerryratcliffe.com. Uh, but... In, for Virginia, do you expect a guy like McNeely to be on a minutes count tonight as much as you'd like the win against Wisconsin, the belief that you probably could still win without him and it's an earlier season non-conference matchup? I think it, it might be tough to win it without him at 100% or close to 100%. There was a video of him participating in practice from Fort Myers yesterday and he looked unencumbered, so it it could be that he's back to, to near 100%. Uh, I think they missed him in the last game, even though they won rather handily. But you could tell that the offense didn't flow quite as well. Um, they they weren't quite as efficient from the three-point line. They, they need him in the lineup for big games. And this is a big one because Wisconsin, as we know, is in Virginia have had some slobber knockers, as Dick Bennett used to call them, because they play that – slower-paced physical basketball. And Wisconsin has an upper hand because they have two really big guys in their front court, a seven-footer and a physical 6'9 guy. And it's, it's going to be tough for Virginia to match up against that. So having McNeely on the floor to maybe space things out, spread things out, is probably pertinent. Indeed it is. It's always pertinent. The inside at jerryratcliffe.com. Hootie, thank you for your time today. We'll see you in a couple days up at the Tech UVA game. Can't wait to see you, Ed. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. A Tech UVA game that has a must-win feel to it, and you'll hear it after the Michigan-Ohio State game this coming Saturday on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, part of another one of our quirky game weekend setups. CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg Facebook page for all the schedules. David Cunningham, TechSideline.com with us here in the Fast Lane. David, the loss for Virginia Tech may not have been a shock to NC State. But the fact that their defense, Virginia Techs, could not get off the field for the second and third quarters, giving up five straight touchdown drives, how surprising was that to you? Yeah, Ed, great to be with you. Honestly, I wasn't that surprised at all. I guess I was more surprised with NC State's efficiency than anything. NC State converted seven straight third downs, and it didn't matter if it was via the run or the pass or whether it was by let you know fewer than three yards between four and seven yards to go or eight or more yards nc state basically converted anything in its path and um i think virginia tech just struggled to contain the two guys it had to contain which was brennan armstrong who threw for over 200 yards and 
taking out the final three plays where he lost 21 yards on three kneel downs, he ran for 110 yards. That's something that has only been done five times in Virginia Tech history. One was former UVA quarterback Bryce Perkins, who did it twice. Um, and then you look at Kevin Concepcion, the, the wide receiver who ran the ball, threw the ball, caught the ball. I mean, he did everything. Virginia Tech had no answer for those guys. And I think the problem was that Virginia Tech started slow offensively, got behind, was playing from behind, and no Tech Tech struck back quickly. Tech had two drives where uh, it scored on the first play and the second play. So Tech had two offensive possessions uh, in the second quarter and the third quarter that lasted three total plays, which is great. The defense was on the field for almost the entire game. It's the fourth most time of possession by an opponent in Virginia Tech history since 1987. So I think Virginia Tech struggled to do what it needed to do. And, and I was surprised that NC State was that efficient. But by the way Virginia Tech played, I guess it makes sense because the Hokies had to do two things, shut down Brendan Armstrong and shut shut down Concepcion, and it did neither. And that is a problem, but we've seen Virginia Tech struggle against uh, teams with good defenses and against teams with playmakers all season long. And I think you look at the the Louisville game, the Florida State game. So this was just another example. Um, And I was one of the few people uh, on our Tech Island crew that picked NT State. It didn't really surprise me as much, um, but it did surprise me that Virginia Tech uh, really was was the game was so lopsided. The score does not indicate that, um, but if you watch the game, you know that NC State essentially ran away with it, and and the game was pretty much over, you know, halfway through the third quarter. David Cunningham, TechSideline.com with us here in the fast lane. Yeah, that's the way it felt. Certainly listening to the Virginia Tech game against NC State on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. How much now does that shift the expectation to Virginia Tech that they need to beat Virginia for this to be considered a successful season? Otherwise, they fall short of a bowl game. It's tough, and I would say that this is already a successful season for Virginia Tech. The offense is completely revamped. Tech went out and, and brought in the right guys out of the transfer portal. This team is much better the opportunity to win six, seven games has been there. It still is, obviously, to win six and maybe even a seventh if you go to a bowl game. But Virginia Tech has had the right chances. Tech has played close games uh, here and there that have ended up slipping away. And I think that's the problem. And, and with time, once you get to that third season, you hope that you bring in more guys out of the transfer portal, I think, if, if you're Virginia Tech, that, that can shore up. Uh, this team and shore up the holes at linebacker, maybe at on the defensive line. Um, but I think this is a game that was always going to be high stakes. Now it just has even more high stakes um, or higher stakes, I guess. Uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia. When does it not deliver? Right. I, I, this is a game that almost always uh, is very very entertaining. Whether the teams are good, bad. Uh, this Virginia Tech team needs a win. I think the fans will look at it and go, the Hokies have to win or else the season will be a disappointing one. I would say that doesn't mean it's not a successful one, but some might disagree. I think this is a game Virginia Tech needs to win to carry momentum into the offseason. Otherwise, you're sitting there at 5-7, and seven, and while you won some good games and while you got to 4-4 four and four and you turned it around after a 1-3 and three start, 
you didn't really do a whole lot. Sure, you won uh, four of the last eight, but that's only 50%, and you finished below 500, and you didn't make a bowl game. That would be back-to-back seasons without a bowl game, Ed. I don't even want to think about the last time that has not happened at Virginia Tech. Big, big stakes on the line, to say the least, for the Hokies on Saturday. The Real Decon A on Twitter and Instagram and TechSideline.com. David, thank you for your time in the fast lane. Be safe as you're down in Orlando and Auburn covering Virginia Tech basketball. We look forward to chatting with you again in the midst of those travels. I appreciate it, Ed. Yeah, next time we chat, I will be uh, be down in Orlando. So uh, hopefully I have some good Hokies wins to report on from down there. Talk to you then. Indeed. Happy Thanksgiving to David Cunningham and to all of you, our listeners. Now to the Liberty Flames. Nick Pierce, Liberty Flames Sports Network. Back with us in the fast lane once again. Nick, what does it say more about that the Liberty basketball team going 3-0 in the Myrtle Beach Invitational with three impressive wins, that that was the bigger storyline? Is it how impressive that was for men's basketball or the fact that by football taking care of business, it, it felt like that was the bigger storyline because football did exactly what they should have done, which is a dominating, convincing victory against UMass? Well, thanks, Ed. Uh, you know, Tough question to start, but I think just given the postseason implications that are on the line here, potentially for Liberty football, that's probably a little bit of a bigger storyline, but you can't undersell what uh, Coach Richie McKay and these Liberty Flames, uh, the, the men's basketball team, has done to start the season either. Going 5-0, and wins over three very good mid-major programs. Furman knocked off Virginia in the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, Wichita State, we all know, perennial NCAA tournament team, and then uh, a very good Vermont team that's going to win 20-plus, maybe close to 30 games playing in that league. So uh, those were all three very impressive victories, and the way that the Flames won those games, I think all in double figures, uh, very impressive stuff. But that football win over UMass, uh, while that – when in and of itself maybe doesn't grab headlines, the fact that the Flames are 11-0 and and they're still in the conversation for a potential New Year's six berth, that does grab headlines. So uh, first time that a Flames team has ever been 11-0, and first time a Flames football team has ever won 11 games in a single season, there's a lot to be excited about over here on the mountain. Indeed there is. Quite a bit to be excited about. And then the football side of things, uh, Jamie Chabal alluded to this, how it was a win where they just took care of business we called it a mature win, the type of win that it shows maturity to be able to handle your business the way the Liberty Flames did. Is that a reasonable description of the football victory against UMass, a mature win? Absolutely it is. I mean, look, there were a lot of reasons that, you know, you're dealing with 18 to 23 or 24, whatever it is now with, you know, the extra years of eligibility, your old kids that could have gone out there and kind of believed how good they were and said, hey, look, you know, we we can just roll the ball out here and get it done, and we don't need to take the preparation seriously. These guys are 3-7, and blah, 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 whatever, or not been into it with, you know, the the student body crowd being down a little bit. I actually thought it was a pretty good crowd there considering um, overall, Uh, but they didn't let any of that stuff play a factor and they went out there and prepared the right way and and came out and put a bunch of points on the board early in the first quarter and and made a statement hanging you know almost half a hundred on that team and you know got a chance to make another statement coming up here this week uh, against UTEP and a chance to run the table in conference play run the table in the regular season and be riding a 12-game winning streak going into a conference title game 
Uh, I think if, you know, last week showed us anything or the last two weeks have shown us anything about this team, they're taking the preparation and the process very seriously. I would expect them to go out and, and show themselves well coming up here again this Saturday. Nick Pierce, NPierce84, Twitter and Instagram to keep up with him. Nick, thank you much for your time today in the fast lane. We appreciate it. We'll table the basketball stuff for later because there's more time for it. But we appreciate your covering both for us today here in covering the Commonwealth. Always happy to do it. Thanks, Ed. Nick Pierce with us here in the fast lane. When we return... You forgot an important question. What? For Nick. I was going to say, is he going to be meep meeping all week? Because they they got to root for UTSA to beat Tulane. You know, for that group. For for the New, New Year's Six Bowl. I should have asked and should have known. Me, me. Me, me. Roadrunners. Yeah, the UTSA Roadrunners, which that could happen. That's a good football team. It is. They're a very good football team. When we return, though, in the fast lane, we'll look at other teams. JMU, still good, despite the loss. And Radford Men's Basketball Plus, oh, the Washington Commanders with Seawall. All of that's still to come here on the CBS Sports Radio Lunch Break app.